0: Our meditation for today is on our epistle reading, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Hear the word of our Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I fully admit to you I did not have time to give a full sermon transcript experience. We are going through some interesting changes and growth here at the Very Lutheran Project that we will hopefully be able to start announcing next week. But I had an email that I thought fit perfectly with the lectionary reading for today. It is 100% perfect for a sermon and in line with our epistle reading today in the one-year lectionary. So he says, I have heard numerous testimonials from various former Protestant lay and clergy who have left Protestantism because of one simple question. Where does it say in the Bible that the Bible is the only infallible source of doctrine? I'm shocked at how common this is and how few Protestants have an actual answer. I believe that a thorough discussion of this topic could be very helpful to other Lutherans. And he goes over in his email how 2 Timothy 3.16 only establishes that scripture is authoritative, not that it is the only authority. Well, brother... It's time for a sermon on the topic, because this is just as much devotional, just as much kerygma, just as much proclaiming in terms of law and gospel as it would be teaching. Let's look over our passage again, everybody. Take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand on the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm." And St. Paul tells us what makes us ready and good soldiers before our Lord. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Dear beloved, where do you have the belt of truth? Where do you find truth? Guaranteed truth, if it is not in the word of God. The breastplate of righteousness, where do we hear what righteousness is? In the very word of God, in the proclamation of the Ten Commandments upon Mount Sinai, in the proclamation of the righteousness of of god's holy commandments in psalm 119 in righteousness by faith in jesus christ in the epistle to the romans as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace where is the gospel to be found it is found in the words of holy scripture In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. What does St. Paul tell us in the book of Romans? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Are you going to defend against heresy with holy tradition? I think not. If anybody out there gives you a heresy, or if they give you a temptation, you do not say to them, ah, Ye devil, you are defeated because my church says so. And that's the ultimate authority. (laughs) Pish posh, no. It is by the word of God for even these holy fathers and holy church tradition, they go off of the word of God to argue against those flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. How do you know you are saved? You are supposed to have the assurance of salvation upon your head. And are you going to find it with some church tradition that tells you maybe you're not saved? Or if you didn't dot your I's correctly or cross your T's just the right way, that you're not saved? Heaven forbid! How much of church tradition out there, how many denominational ideas and church fathers out there do their best, their damnedest, to take that helmet off of your head? Jesus says, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verse 16. In the book of Romans, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Quoting from the prophet Joel. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. These are things the word says to provide us with the helmet of salvation. All because of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the Word of God. And the person who sent me this email mentioned, indeed, that yes, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 does tell us that all Scripture is God-breathed. But that means it is the sword for fighting and contending for the Christian faith here on earth. It is nothing else. Nothing else is what we proclaim. Nothing else can be what we proclaim. Nothing casts down and attacks the devil and his minions and all of the cosmic powers and spiritual forces of evil out there other than the word of God. It is solely the word of God that is given this great title and this laud and acclamation, dear brothers. And in case anybody should say that I am overextending the passage, if maybe I'm making a logical leap, which I assure you I am not, Here from Psalm 138, verse 2, in which the psalmist writes, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name and your word. God has exalted his word above all things things. Shall we deny that and say, no, actually, (laughs) your word's pretty nice, God, but I prefer my holy tradition. I prefer my reason because I'm part of a smarty pants cult that can figure out all doctrine and tell the Bible what to say because of how intelligent I am. If anybody out there says sola scriptura is not in the Bible, they have not seen what the scripture says about scripture, that it is exalted above all things, including the traditions of men. Now, unfortunately, there is an evil, disgusting part of humanity that sees what the scripture says, and decides, because they don't want to put on the entirety of the armor of God, that they are going to contradict it using something that is not Bible, something that is not Holy Scripture. Let me rephrase that in case there's any confusion. The only reason you would deny sola scriptura is if you want doctrines that are not in the Scriptures or you want to rationalize away your violation of them. Let's talk about the first thing. We human beings love to be so, so, so creative. We love to speak where God has not spoken. We say, I want to pray to the saints. Jesus says, pray to the Father. The Bible says, pray to God, but heaven forbid I should be so limited. I know, let's talk about the mountain of the saints, brick by brick of the sanctified and holy ones who have merit as though it were an electricity that I can gather just by seeking their favor. I love the security of my monkish lifestyle. I love the ascetic principles of this denomination. So we are going to look to holy tradition to establish it through a great and storied tradition of theology. Uh, the Bible says in Colossians 2, oh, Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink, but I want that to be the case. With regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath, These are a shadow of things to come, St. Paul says, but the substance belongs to Christ. There is a part of us that says, I want the substance to belong to the church. I want the church. I want my tradition exalted above all things the way God has exalted his word. You see, sola scriptura may not be so explicitly stated in the Bible that it says, ah, the only source, period, for all doctrine and morals comes from holy scripture. But it holds up Holy Scripture itself in such high regard that nothing could possibly be a source of dogma. Now, people chafe against this. They chafe against the scriptures being the norming norm the rule of faith let's keep going in colossians here st paul writes in verse 18 let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from god if with christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations do not handle do not taste do not touch St. Paul tells us we don't have to have asceticism. We don't have to have dulia or hyperdulia towards any angel. We don't have to go on in detail about visions or listen to the Desert Fathers hear words coming out of skulls. We don't have to hear somebody say, ah, you have to believe me because I had a vision. Great. Great. Great, oh, holy tradition, capital T tradition, you have your monks and nuns giving us visions. Who else had visions that supposedly had doctrinal import for people? How about Muhammad? How about Joseph Smith? They had their visions. Oh, but you're different, I see. Oh, but of course. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. The Eastern Orthodox Church has 180 to 200 fast days every single year for every single Orthodox Christians, with the few exception being small children, old people, and pregnant women. Why would they tell you that? And I'm sure if you don't do all these required fasts, your Wednesday fast, your Friday fast, your Pascha fast. Your Advent fast, your Lenten fast, I'm sure you would be considered quite disqualified, wouldn't you? St. Paul says, do not let them. Oh, and yes, this is a rule in their churches. On the website, verylutheran.biz, there will be a nice handy link to their guides in all of the fasting that they really, 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 really really want you to do. And what does St. Paul says about this? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I understand somebody fasting as an option for personal devotion, but when it is a requirement of you, is that putting on the whole armor of God? Let's look at the words of Christ here, Matthew 19, verses 6 through 9. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. Let's look at the Synod of Elvira, an attempt by holy church tradition to bind marriage. Canon 33 of the Synod of Elvira, it is decided that marriage be altogether prohibited to bishops, priests, and deacons, or to all clerics placed in the ministry, and that they keep away from their wives and not beget children. Whoever does this shall be deprived of the honor of the clerical office. Council of Carthage, Canon 3, it is fitting that the holy bishops and priests of God, as well as the Levites, i.e., those who are in the service of the divine sacraments, observe perfect continence, so that they may obtain in all simplicity what they are asking from God, what the apostles taught, and what antiquity itself observed, let us also endeavor to keep. It pleases us all that bishop, priest, and deacon, guardians of purity, abstain from conjugal intercourse with their wives, so that those who serve at the altar may keep a perfect chastity." And of course, the Arabic canons of Nicaea also say that if a man becomes a bishop, his wife must be put away. Jesus says what God has brought together, let not man separate. But in our ugly hearts, we say, oh no, but that's, that's great and all, Jesus. You put us together, but we want to be separated so we can be so holy to you. The Gregorian Reforms, 1075 A.D., Pope Gregory VII enforced clerical celibacy to the point of telling all German Christians that if they were to refuse money to married priests, force dissolution marriage to wedded priests, and ignore the authority of the bishops who had wives, that's what they were told to do. People were separated from their wives because of this enforcement of clerical celibacy. St. Paul says, come together often. St. Paul says, do not deny each other except for prayer and fasting, voluntarily, may I add, lest you be tempted by the devil. But we, human beings, in our itching hearts, we want to add to it because we cannot believe that it is so easy to be considered holy by God. We cannot believe that it is so simple as to hold fast to the word of God so we can put on the whole armor of God. We cannot believe that there is only one weapon, only one sword of the spirit. We have such a hard time doing this because we have itching souls, anxious Anxious to be something more than we are. Anxious to become something better. When the Holy Scripture says, No, dear humble saint, you are a baptized believer in Jesus Christ. Hold fast to the Scriptures. Hold fast to the Word of God. And you will come to opponents... They will say, ah, but St. Paul says to Timothy, hold fast to the traditions. Yes, before the canon of Scripture was complete, they had their own creeds. Yes, the early first generation in the Holy Church, before the canon of Scripture was complete, had to pass things on by word of mouth. And they had certain traditions and liturgies. I am certain that they were told, hold fast to. That is 100% true. The content of those traditions is found where? in Holy Scripture. We are given nothing else. Jesus Christ said to the apostles that the Holy Spirit would inspire them in John chapter 14. Yes, the Old Testament is given the stamp of approval where the Holy Spirit has inspired the entirety of it. Nothing else is given this. Mankind itches for something better, but we are told it is the Word of God that you must adhere to. It is the Word of God from which your doctrine comes, because God has exalted that and nothing else besides his very name above all of creation, the Word. And of course, somebody might say, oh, of course God has exalted Halagos. Tals logos above all creation yes but don't you think it's very special that christ is called the very word of god don't you think it's special that he is the revelation of our god don't you think it's special that god sees something like a word a message To be so, so, so special that our Lord Jesus Christ would be called the word, halagos, the message to us. The final revelation of himself. As the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1. We have no place else to get doctrine. Anything else that comes out of that is either trying to add to the word of God. Trying to add doctrines that don't belong or trying to come up with a reason to violate it enforcing asceticism, or forbidding marriage. Forbidding the marital bed as though the church was established before marriage. Ha! This is why Jesus in Mark chapter 7, when the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He says, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is Far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. If anybody should come to you and say, where did you get your Bible, prot? where, Where is sola scriptura in the Bible, prot? Ask them, how do you put on the whole armor of God? Where do you find the armor of God? Where is the armory where you can find all of this armor? Where do you get where do you get the belt of truth where do you get the breastplate of righteousness where do you learn how to do that where do you see that the readiness given by the gospel of peace where is the gospel proclaimed to us the shield of faith what gives us faith according to god how do i put on the helmet of salvation where do i get the sword of the spirit Why, it has to be the Word of God. St. Paul tells us absolutely that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, but every other piece of this armor truly comes from the Word of God, Holy Scripture. Ask them if they dare to get it from any other source. Ask them if they are going to accept a breastplate or their feet being shod from any source that has not been exalted above all creation as God has with his word. Ask them dearly if they really want to accept something proven, declared, said quite succinctly to not be as reliable, trustworthy, powerful, solid as God's word. Do they really want to accept armor from any other source? Do they really want to have fallible men giving that to them? I think not. But that's where the good news is. We can temper all of this itchy, ugly anxiety in our hearts that wants to be something more, that wants to add to the Bible, that wants to make it harder to be saved, that wants to go against the words of Christ and the apostles that says, get married. Don't worry about asceticism. That is a voluntary thing for you to do. That says you pray to God alone. That says here is what you will do. That you have only one Savior that gives you all of these things. We can take all of that anxiety, and throw it in the trash just by hearing the words of Scripture. We can put on that helmet of salvation that secures our very minds. When we hear the words of Christ, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. We can hear the words of Christ, no one comes to the Father except by me and rejoice that he has died for us, the Bible is a treasure. It is a gift. It is a blessing. It is your chief treasure here on earth. You have nothing physical of more value than Holy Scripture. If indeed you have a copy of the Bible, and if you do not, please let me know. I will personally buy one for you and I'll buy you a really nice one. Holy Scripture is an amazing, amazing, powerful blessing from our. God. He has given it to us so that we are ready, so that we are prepared, so that we are trained in righteousness, so that we can obey God's commandments. And by all means, please look over Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 20. See what this whole armor of God is that equips us to be good fighters and soldiers for our Lord. Put it all on and let's go empowered by the word of our Lord. Now the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guards our hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.